the pandemic, social unrest, the state, and the White House. You are listening to The John DePietro Show. It's spring, and Lawn Doctor of Rhode Island is your lawn care company. Call them today for a free quote, 401-392-1025. Check out their website, lawndoctor.com. Your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Call them now. Get that spring program. You have the fertilizer, then you guaranteed broadleaf crabgrass control. Your best lawn ever, guaranteed. Call Lawn Doctor today. Check out their website, lawndoctor.com, or call them 401-392-1025. It's John DePietro on AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, dipietro.com. Well, it is Wednesday tonight. President Biden is uh, expected to announce huge spending package. I just don't understand. You know, this, somebody has to pay for all this. Their new thing is just tax the rich, start to provide everything for free. So we'll definitely uh, break that down tomorrow. And then uh, locally, folks, uh, the state is trailing Mass, who's Massachusetts. They are opening more and going more and opening things up. And the CDC has now said, which is no surprise to me, you don't need a mask outside. But I want to start off. One of the jurors, another juror, I should say, in the Derek Chauvin trial, uh, spoke out. He did an interview on Good Morning America, and I want to play a little bit of it uh, right now. Found Chauvin guilty on all three charges that led to the former police officer's conviction for the murder of George this Floyd. This is this morning on Brandon just moments ago. Good morning, Good morning America. Brandon. Thank you for your willingness to to share with us what went on inside. He's a person of color. That jury room in the deliberations, please tell us. Um, well, first, I want to start off by sending my condolences to the Floyd family. Um, I haven't got a chance to do that publicly, so I want to do that first and foremost. Fine. Um, but no, the deliberation room, it was pretty much, um, for the most part, it was straightforward. Uh, there were a few hiccups with, you know, terminology and understanding exactly what the instructions were for each case. Uh, but like I said, for the most part, we got in, we got out. Um, there wasn't too much banter back and forth. Was there How is that possible? Was there, though, on one of the lesser charges that uh, was a holdout for a while? Yes. Yeah, so I mean, it's a murder we trial. Deliberated for four hours, and of that four hours, it was it was. Um, I guess we were going over more so the terminology um, that was being used to make sure that we understood exactly what was being asked. Um, I think the one juror that was kind of I wouldn't say slowing us down, but um, was was being um, delicate with the process more so. I'd like um, to think everyone was. It was just kind of. Uh, hung up on a few words within the within the instructions um and just wanted to make sure that why wasn't right. everybody and hung so up on able, it? and that's how you were able to uh convince this particular juror clarification yeah on so the we just um yeah so we just kind of went around the room we broke down we literally broke down the sentences and broke down the words and what the meanings were listen to this um, he says they could have been done in 20 minutes different ways from different perspectives three different um, charges until we came to a common conclusion Brandon Mitchell, you know that there are, are some people who believe that the racial climate and the protests in the streets yes. may have impacted. It was the not a race situation. Was that ever discussed, and was that an issue at all? He'll say no. We weren't watching the news, so oh, we don't know on. what was going on. You were on. arriving at the um, courthouse. We were really just locked in on the case, um, and then with so much stress coming from the case, mm. I mean, those things are, are so secondary because you're literally um, throughout the trial, you're watching somebody die on a daily basis so that stress alone um, is enough to tape. take your mind away from whatever's going on outside of, of the four walls of the courtroom i mean that was that was not even that wasn't even a, something that's in any of, any of our minds i don't think so what was the impact of that nine minute 29 second huh. video it was the whole and case was that the difference maker yes um the, the video is is it's a historic video video unfortunately um and then seeing the the multiple angles of it from the body cams from the other the other cell phones um it was probably the most important piece of evidence was there any testimony was there one piece of testimony for you that made a difference um yeah so for me um i'll say i'll say two i'm for sure 
uh, Donald Williams, just, you know, just how he spoke about everything, and Dr. Tobin. I think once Dr. Tobin um, got on the stand and the way he spoke and the details that he gave, He's a strong and the witness. way he gave the details, yep. um, I thought that really solidified the prosecution's case. Derek Chauvin not taking the stand, did that have an impact, not hearing from him, yes. the former officer? Of course. Yeah, um, definitely it did. 100%. Um, when we were in the deliberation room, um, you know, a few people wondered, like, they wanted to actually hear from them. Yes. They were curious on, right? Um, you know, just what his thoughts might have been throughout. Um, you know, it probably probably was to his detriment that he didn't take the stand. Hundred percent. Curious on what his thoughts. I said he should have taken the it. The entire incident. Nothing to lose. It was a very. I don't have to tell you a very diverse jury. Um, everybody around you. Uh, they ranged in ages from 20 to 60, five men, seven women, four black, six white, two self-identify as multiracial. Your experience, you believe, has shown the importance of black men to show up for jury duty. Why do you believe that? Interesting question. Yeah, so I mean, in order for uh, to change to happen, huh. um, we got to get us to those type of avenues, get us to those rooms. Interesting we question. Show for jury duty, we have to vote. Those are things that hmm. are important to the society as a whole. And if we want to um, be viewed differently in society and start to see different results, we have to start oh, to do it's those supposed to be things. jury of your peers. Um, we cannot avoid them. We can't put them on the back burner. We have to put them in the forefront. That's interesting. Um, and jury duty is definitely one of those things, um, especially with, you know, the insane number of black men being incarcerated. Um, so, yeah, so we definitely have to get on, on, get on, those, on those panels and stuff like that. You began by giving your condolences to the George Floyd family. You haven't had a chance to speak with them. What would you want to say to them? He, he, his name is going to live on. His legacy is, is now cemented in history. It's, it's now become so much bigger than him as, a, as an individual. He's now become almost, um, he's become a legacy. And it's a legacy that will forever be here and it's forever going to, it will hopefully create some change within society. Um, and that is, that is huge and that is unfortunate. It's a positive lining within a negative a negative result as, as his death. Um, but that's just me as a positive person just kind of looking towards the bright side. Like I said, at the end of the day, they still lost a brother, a nephew, a cousin. Um, it still was a man that lost his life. Um, but but his, his name will live on. And, and what his name means now is so much more than than what they probably imagined. Um, it's, it's literally... Folks, so again, that was an interview... Um Good morning, it's Sean DePietro. There was an interview this morning of Good Morning America. You know, it also still just, I, I wish that the interviewer had asked this. It still has never been answered. Is, all right, granted, George Floyd Black, officer on top of him, white. But as we've talked about, one of the other officers was Asian. There was a black officer there. And I think the other officer was Latino. Never asked the question, what, what was it that made it about race? Why do you think they were doing that? and holding him down because of his race. There's never been any evidence to support that what happened was due to race. It seemingly happened uh, because of someone who was giving them a hard time while he was being arrested. You could say that there was no reason to arrest him. I get that. There was certainly no justification to have him on the ground like that. And there's no justification to have his knee on top of him. He wasn't resisting any of that. But the element of race... Uh, why? What? What is it that stands out that it was? It was about race. I also go back to, you know, a lot of people say, no, he can't take the stand. He absolutely should have taken the stand. When this is your, you know, your life is on the line. That was his choice, or he was given legal advice. But I think, and and I had said this, folks, he should have. That guy should have got up on the stand. We all should need to hear from him. He should apologize to the entire country. His actions that day. Look what it has resulted in. My God, the harm that was done. What would have been the harm of him getting up on the stand and saying, hey, listen, I'm very sorry. I didn't mean to, for that to happen. I wish I could take it back. And here's, I was afraid of the crowd. I didn't think that was happening. He was a big guy. I was intimidated. Whatever the answer is, maybe, I don't, maybe he says because he didn't like him. I don't think so. But, but I agree with the juror. I was saying that he should have taken the stand. I know people say, no, 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 he's un and I know they say he's under no obligation to take the stand. But again, I think uh, that would have been an opportunity to stand up and, and apologize to the country, to the family, 
Never one. All right, we have a lot more ahead. We're going to talk to Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro Show. Well, it's a challenge to run your business these days. Maybe you need to find the right type of workers. Why not let MEGA professionals find them for you? Call MEGA professionals today, serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-7801. MEGA, M-E-G-A, professionals, 508-336-7801. Maybe if you need workers, maybe you have workers and won't come back to work. You need drivers, certified help, part-time, full-time, maybe weekend work. You need the professionals at MEGA Professionals. Let them find the workers for you. They screen them all out. They send them right over to you. Serving Rhode Island, Massachusetts, call them today, 508-336-7801. Maybe you need mechanics or skilled labor or warehouse workers, office workers, professionals, even those in the healthcare profession. MEGA Professionals, call them today, 508-336-7801. Again, 508-336-7801. You focus on your business. Let MEGA professionals help you find the workers. MEGA professionals, 508-336-7801. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. Spring is here. Time to contact Bethel Certified Softwash. You can text Jared a free estimate at 401-617-2585. Bethel Certified Softwash. They have a great website. It's RhodeIslandSoftwashing.com. Outside your home, let's get rid of the grime and the stains, maybe some of that, that green algae and moss and mildew that build up over the course of the winter. Call Bethel Certified Softwash today. Again, outside your restaurant or your home or a roof or a deck or a patio or a walkway, it's Bethel Certified Softwash. Remember, it's biodegradable. It's plant safe. Look for them on Facebook, Bethel, B-E-T-H-E-L. Their Facebook page, the before and after, are just tremendous. Contact them today for a free same-day text estimate, 401 617 2585 401-617-2585. Again, remember, they have a great website. It's RhodeIslandSoftWashing.com. Bethel Certified Soft Wash and Power Wash. Listening to the John DePietro Show weekdays, we start at 11. We go until 2. It's AM 1380, 99.9 FM. You can always listen online at the website, thepietro.com. Click on Listen Live. Joining me right now, he is a columnist now for the Boston Globe, covering New England but focusing on Rhode Island. He is Dan McGowan. And, uh, Dan, let's start off. I'm very anxious to hear uh, you're going to be writing about, you have a piece coming out about the census that came out that it certainly caught a lot of people off guard, especially locally, really caught people off guard with how that we are not losing two seats. Oh, one seat, excuse me. Yeah, John. Yeah, I mean, John, I was stunned, quite frankly. I'm sure you were too, because we were all sort of preparing for you know, for political people like us, we were, you know, we were preparing for the fun idea of, you know, a David Cicilline, Jim Langevin matchup, you know, if that could happen or what Jim Langevin was going to do, you know, those sort of things. And to be honest, I mean, I think we all kind of were kind of had come to the the conclusion that this is what was going to happen. Right. Um, And what what uh, the last couple of days I've been working on, I'll have a column out later on today about this is, uh, the effort that went into counting these 44,000, almost 45,000 new Rhode Islanders uh, that, that were found. And it's a fascinating story, John, because it's a tale of, you know, true sort of nitty gritty politics. The two people uh, that, that really worked on this very hard, one you'll know, one you probably won't, is a... Uh, one is a, a guy named Louis Estrada, who's been around for a really long time. 
yeah. he uh, has a sort of a kind of a very colorful history, sort of 22 years in prison uh, yes. for, for a kind of a string of robberies in the 1980s. And then, you know, has, has tried to reform his life and got out of jail, you know, did his time kind of thing and has gotten very immersed in Rhode Island politics. He's a top advisor to Governor McKee, uh, has worked on lots of different campaigns. He played a major role in helping Sabina Matos become the lieutenant governor this month. Uh, so major player. And then a woman uh, named Jordan, I believe it's Hanover, who uh, you wouldn't know is not a, you know, a household name in Rhode Island politics, very involved in some of the women's rights issues. You remember the kind of the effort at the state house to protect abortion rights a couple of years ago. She was a major player in those things. And these two people who didn't know each other, who uh, have, I mean, couldn't be more different, right? One guy, you know, Latino, you know, from New York, went to prison for a long time. This woman, you know, white, master's degree, you know, true blue or progressive organizer. And they really went to work kind of, uh, you know, on one hand, trying to make sure you get all the college students who, by the way, had left at the time, you know, that the census was really, you know, ramping up, right? They'd left the state, but are technically considered Rhode Islanders. So there was an effort to, you know, really push towards them. And then there was the effort that I think you'll probably be interested in, which is those hard to count folks, right? The undocumented, the, yep. you know, the folks who uh, live in the Providences, the Central Falls, you know, some a little bit of the West Warwick's and Woonsockets of the world. And um, Louis Estrada made it very clear to me. He did whatever it took to get people out to go to events. He gave me an example, John. Uh, they're in Providence one day in Olneyville. And their whole and the idea was, this is the beginning of COVID. They're bringing, you know, they're, they're putting out food to say, hey, come get food while you're here. Sign up for the census. By the way, completely legal. It's allowed. Like paying people to vote or anything like that. And they just right. weren't getting any traction, right? There, there was, they just, you know, people weren't showing up. Everybody's thinking about COVID. If you're undocumented, you're worried about other things. And Louis Ashana pulls out $200 out of his pocket and starts handing out $20 bills to cars in the parking lot, people with cars in the parking lot. As, hey, come over, you know, whenever you can. So word starts to get out that there's somebody handing out free money in Providence. Yeah. And sure enough, they start to see dozens of cars pull up. And, he's, and he says to people, look, you know, it was only the first 10 cars. But what, now that you're here, uh, have you done your census? You know, where do you live? All those kind of things. And little things like that. Now, there were bigger operations. The, I think the state funded uh, more than $50,000 in gift cards from CVS to, to hand out, you know, to people to say, hey, make sure you do the census. So there was a lot of money. I mean, in total, John, $1.6 million went into Holy this effort. Wow, I didn't realize that much. Yeah, so it's wow. a, it was a significant effort. It's a, it's a fascinating story because it is true sort of nitty gritty, literally door to door, you know, house to house. He get, give me a great example. I'll tell you another one, John. He said, this is Luis Estrada. He says, yeah. you know, the thing about the, you know, houses that you have to look for is, uh, you know, in, in particularly in urban communities, look for curtain curtains on basement windows he said because you know not something you and i might think but if if there's a curtain on a basement window there's a chance that somebody's going to be living you know inside you know yeah um, you know behind those curtains yeah basement said, apartment exactly and he yes. said so those are things that that you know he instructed organizers to look for you know look at all the names on on mailboxes things like that and they they got very aggressive and they they knocked it out of the park they they were. They thought their estimates were that they needed between seven thousand and twenty thousand people. They end up doubling that. They get forty five thousand, and um, and in the end, while it was close, if you look at the numbers in other states, Rhode Island actually did you know significantly better than a lot of you know some of these states that lost things. But to to show you how important this count was. Think about New York, which loses a congressional seat. Yeah. 89 people. Wow. 89 people. So it, it's a fascinating column. I'll make sure I share it with you as soon as, as, soon as it does get published. Dan McGowan, what, what was the time frame that most of this was going on? Was it last, last spring? Late last, yeah, last spring. So late last, huh. late 2019 was when they started to kind of put together a team. It's when right. these two people got, got hired. But 
was in the spring um, and, you know, it was really just, just as COVID was ramping up, you know, there was a point that in April that they said, you know, we really got to get, you know, our college numbers, which, which Rhode Island always heavily depends on were so down because all these out of state residents were, had left, right. They'd been forced from campus. And so the, the census people worked very closely with the, with both landlords who rent to these kids and then also the colleges to say, Hey, you know, if you were in Rhode Island, uh, I think, as of April 1st or something like that, uh, you know, you count as a Rhode Islander for these purposes. And so, you know, we need you to sign up and they did a pretty good, apparently they did a pretty good job there too. Now, Dan McGowan, was this primarily Providence that they pulled these, these, these numbers out of? I think Providence is always going to be the biggest place because yeah. it's the largest city, but you know, they were talking to me a lot about West Warwick that, that, that they thought, you know, there were a lot of folks, there's a lot of folks in Woonsocket who are kind of undercounted, you know, a lot of mm. undocumented population, certainly yep. Central Falls, of course. But yes, of course, Providence is where they think the numbers. The interesting thing is we won't know demographic data until I believe Secretary Raimondo said it will be sometime in August, maybe. And so it's going to be a long time before we actually know, OK, here's what you know we think worked. Here's where the population grew. Um, right now, we know it's 45,000. And then most importantly, you know, for political purposes, there will be two, two members of uh, the House of Representatives uh, for the next at least the next 10 years. And who is it that hired uh, Louis Estrada? I actually know his brother's my eye doctor. So I know the family's got an interesting story. Who is it that brought him into the mix? Or is he it seemingly he has been in the mix, actually, for quite some time. Well, wait for it. Another political name, uh, Matt Jerzyk. <laughs> the, really? The, the political operative wow. who, who had the speaker's ear for a long time. Uh, yeah, so so Jer- Matt Jerzyk uh, was involved very heavily with the census because he is a, a lawyer for the city of Central Falls. And the people who ran the central or the, the census sort of from the committee side, you know, not they weren't getting paid for this, were former mayor, James Deosa, and Dr. Nicole Alexander Scott. Wow. Uh, and so they were making a lot of decisions. And, you know, the funny thing, John, I mean, you and I, you and I know this over the last, you know, two years that we've been talking, the census is a boring thing, right? It's yeah. not, doesn't drive numbers. It's not exactly exciting, whether it's listeners or page views. And so you had a lot of, I think, to be honest, white sort of kind of wealthier, sort of more, at least more affluent people who were, you know, sitting around boardrooms talking about how important it was to get the census done. And people who know political campaigns were saying, this isn't what gets it done, right? It's not the uh, the flashy advertising campaign. No. It's it's door to door. It's, you know, it's nitty gritty stuff. And so, yes, it was it was Matt Jerzyk who really pushed very hard for, uh, for uh, Louis Estrada. And then Louis Estrada said, you know, he, he was going through a bunch. His wife had just died. And he said, you know, I think we need somebody else. He wanted to hire another person, you know, from the Latino community to get this done. Ends up meeting this woman, Jordan, and um, they just hit it off. And they, they you know, felt like they kind of completely complemented one another. And uh, it seemed to work out pretty well. Folks, we're going to take a quick break. A lot more. Dan McGowan. Boy, what a story this is. <clears throat> Columnist. I can't wait to read it. The Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro Show. MEGA truck and trailer repair. Call them today. Commercial trailers, diesel equipment. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 508-336-2110. 508-336-2110 for MEGA, M-E-G-A, MEGA truck and trailer repair. As I said, commercial trailers, diesel equipment, free estimates. FHWA inspections and Rhode Island State Inspection Station. Trailer pickup and delivery. 24-hour mobile service. Serving Rhode Island and Massachusetts, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 24-hour mobile service, and also ABS repairs, brakes, doors. Listen, if it's on a trailer, MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair, they can repair it. Call them today, 508-336-2110, 508-336-2110, it's MEGA Truck and Trailer Repair. 
If you've been thinking about updating your website or if you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business, you could receive a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional. And she's been doing this work for 25 years. Contact Karen Etchells at InnoVest Digital Marketing. She will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Give Karen a call for a free consultation at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. We're speaking with Dan McGowan, columnist for the Boston Globe. Dan, I, I want to stay with the census column that you have coming out on this because I want people to understand there were there was just this idea that the state was going to, you know, we, we have actually lost population, that we're going to lose one of the congressional seats. There was that uh, a council person, I believe, that or rep was suggesting we start paying people $10,000 to That's move right. into the state if you live here for a while. The Langevin camp, he basically stopped raising money and people started leaving his office thinking that, you know, he was seemingly to me going to be odd man out. I mean, there was talk he might run for governor, but uh, but I didn't get the sense he was going to challenge Congressman Cicilline. How important is it, Dan McGowan? And what's remarkable about this is they basically went out and found over 40,000 people. How key was the provision that you did not have to, I believe, check off? whether or not you were in fact a, a legal citizen of the United States. Just a, you just you just you're a resident of the state, but not necessarily I think they had it squashed with you had to check off if you were a legal citizen. You you got it right. And John, yeah. I, I'll tell you I because I, I asked that question and I and I went in thinking, to be honest, and this is you you and I two white guys talking about this, I thought it was gonna be they were going to say it was over, you know, that was overstated, that it wasn't that big of a deal, that it was. Oh, that you know, was a huge deal. Yeah. And, and they said, yeah, that people were very concerned. They were confused. Wow. Remember, I mean, there's a chance, again, if you came, if, especially if you're in the country illegally, but even if you even if you were here, you, you came here legally, let's say you came here in the last 10, 15 years, there's a chance you've maybe only been through one census, maybe no censuses before. Right. So you literally don't know what you're getting uh you know who, you know who is this person talking to me you know you're you know generally speaking you're very hesitant to sign anything right. or do all this work and so there was i think a lot of fear now the question that you probably have which is a reasonable one is does this mean that 40,000 undocumented people just showed up we don't know the answer to that and, and we really won't truly be able to know the answer to that because you know, th th there wasn't any check the box on it would have been actually interesting. Now, again, I understand why they, uh, you know, they didn't count it and all these other things for ice purposes. And I understood the frustration. It would have been maybe our first chance to actually know how many people potentially were undocumented uh, if, you know, if there was a box to check or something like that. Uh, but, you know, I, I think it's, it's a major factor. I mean, that, that was definitely, it's definitely, you know, heavily the Latino community. You know, it tends to be, look, people who are, it, it, it's the Latino community, it's the college students, make no mistake about it, for different reasons, right? Just because they don't live here usually. Um, those are the two big things. And then, you know, it's the seniors who might not answer the door all the time, things like that. But yeah, there's no question that that, 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 uh, rule in that rule not being in place for undocumented folks i think uh i think did dr help drive this in a significant way well dan mcgowan you know <clears throat> talking facts i mean providence is a sanctuary city yep. you have a mayor who admittedly his parents you know he's from guatemala if you were from that country and wanted to come and live here and live safely i think providence is at the top of the list central falls for a long time has had a lot of people that were not born in this country. But I spoke with an immigration expert who told me two out of three normally won't cooperate. So he said, whatever your number is, is probably a third of what the actual number is. I think there's far more people undocumented living in Rhode Island, much higher than people even realize. I wouldn't be surprised with that at all, John. I think, yeah. I think it's entirely possible. And you're right. Look, look, I think the the fact that the city, now you and I could debate over it's simply easier to get to the South to Southern States if you're crossing the border. So yes. getting all the way to Providence is a very difficult thing, but you're right. Look, 
if if the mayor, you know, if this was a mayor who was like, uh, I don't know, uh, the Bristol County Sheriff or something, and he was saying, right. we don't want any of you. Uh, yes, there w- I think there would be, you know, less migration here. So I, I think you're right. I think the the city has shown its willingness to have kind of open doors. As a state, there's been decisions made really post-Kachiri that, uh, you know, it is certainly a, a, a friendlier state than many of the places that, uh, you know, many, certainly many of the southern, you know, places in the middle of the country. So I think it is, uh, I think it's a real factor. And I think, you know, we should be clear for people out there who are, you know, pulling their hair out about this, you know, at the end of the day, this means more federal money. And in theory, that's good for people who actually pay their taxes and stuff like that. Uh, so it is potentially a good thing to keep two people here but it's 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 very ironic in some ways that potentially people who can't vote were the ones that that may have uh have saved these two seats right and it it, you know that's it did really start on a link chafee where he was basically promising them a driver's license and then that really kicked things in cicilline was obviously uh, always uh somewhat favorable and then governor mundo at, at no time did she ever do anything to discourage so i think you could say for the last 10 years that yeah. you know there well, hasn't been any high profile incident or anything and you know, of people leaving the other interesting thing about the, about the sort of attitude i've written a lot about this over the years is like providence does this thing if you remember you you used to interview him all the time i mean david cicilline was adamant that providence was not a sanctuary city he was super aggressive about it i yep. I, I seem to remember him writing an op-ed uh yep. really going after don kachiri uh yep. because be, for using that term angel Tavares, first dominican mayor of providence adamant we are not a sanctuary city right comes uh, mayor lorza doesn't yeah. change policy by the way doesn't really change anything but says we are a sanctuary city and people can, you know, live in my house basically uh, yep. to some degree. And it does, it does change. I think the tone and his, his decision to do that, you know, could have played certainly some role in, in all of this. How much, and, and you say um, Estrada. So he's worked in the past with uh, Sabina Matos and, and, uh, and Matt Jerzyk. Yeah, he was, he, this is a guy who was, for, he's also, like I said, he, he helped, uh, kind of devise the Don or the Dan McKee campaign uh, for lieutenant governor helped him rally a lot of votes in South Providence a couple of years ago against Aaron mm-hmm. Regenberg. He has been around politics for a long time. Helped Angel Taveras become mayor. Uh, more recently, though, he was very much all set to to work for Sabina Matos for mayor, and he happens to have the governor's ear. And so, as this discussion started about who you should pick for lieutenant governor, he thought. Boy, you know, maybe Sabina's the right choice here. And, you know, I wrote this in, in, in my column that'll come out today. I'm telling you, nobody had a more of an impact on bringing Sabina Matos and maybe except for Sabina herself, who interviewed well and who, you know, who you and I talked about made a really strong effort in the month leading up to her announcement. Um, but I don't think there's anybody that had more influence over that decision than Louis Strata. Folks, we're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And Dan, Ed Fitzpatrick, your colleague, has a good story in the Globe that in many ways, and I agree, the big winner of keeping the two seats is Governor McKee. Oh, 100%. I, I completely agree. I was glad I did this story because uh, you were ta- you were alluding to this before. You know, there was, a, there was a very real speculation that you look at the two, if they had to run against each other, that David Cicilline, who's got this kind of rising star nationally, yep. you know, is raising all kinds of money. He was the impeachment uh, man, one of the impeachment managers. Yeah, yes. big deal here that he had yep. the case that he would probably win a statewide race. Now, there's yes. we could debate about it, but there was there was at least a good chance. And Jim Langevin's not done yet. He's not He's not ready to call it quits. Yep. And, uh, you know, I think he was going to take a very serious look at governor. In fact, I had people, you know, telling me just in the last three weeks that that was yes. not out of the question. I'm sure you did, right. too. Oh, yeah. Um, that this was not out of the question. And now what it does for Dan McKee is, I mean, boy, it, it, the, 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 the everything is aligning for for Dan McKee, right? You, 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 you you're getting all of the, you know, the moderate people out of the way in many ways. 
you get to rise to governor, you know, because the Gina Romano goes off to Washington. A lot of things are right for Dan McKee right now politically. And this is just another one of those. And it's a key one. It's a huge one. Folks, another quick break. Much more. Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe right here on the John DePietro Show. It's spring and time to call J. Cannell Engineering today at 401-351-7600. J. Cannell Engineering, licensed in Rhode Island and Massachusetts. You know, pretty soon it'll be warm. It'll be hot. Why not have central air for your home? Call J. Cannell Engineering today, 401-351-7600. Remember, with JKL, estimates are free. Financing is available, both residential and commercial. In the wintertime, JKL, they can reduce your oil bill by as much as 90%. It's going to be a hot summer. Call JKL Engineering today. Be nice and cool in your home this summer. Call JKL, 401-351-7600. For 54 years, JKL's reputation, second to none, especially for technical expertise and customer satisfaction. JKL. They do it right. They do it right the first time. They're an approved National Grid VPI installer. JKL is also a Navian certified factory dealer called JKL for a system replacement, oil to gas, or for a heat pump. Estimates are free. Financing is available, both residential and commercial. Call JKL Engineering today for Light for Rhode Island and Massachusetts, 401 351 7600. 401 351-7600. It's JKL Engineering. Have you been thinking about updating your website? Do you have questions about how to get the most out of social media for your business? Would you like a free consultation from a local digital marketing professional who has been doing this work for 23 years? Contact Karen Etchells at Innovast Digital Marketing. Karen will help you better position your brand on the web to engage visitors and get results. She's local and responsive. Call Karen Etchells at 401-321-2799. That's 401-321-2799. Or find Karen on the web at www.innovast.com. We're speaking with Dan McGowan, columnist for the Boston Globe. Dan, I want to just stay with the, the governor's race. In, uh, again, Ed Fitzpatrick, colleague, has the column. How do you see the race? He sees it as right now McKee would be the front runner. Certainly seems Landrin stays out of it. And then he kind of has uh, Seth Magaziner, General Treasurer, Nelly Gobia is kind of tied for second. And then he has Alorza, kind of uh, Mayor Alorza, trailing behind. How, how do you see the race uh, shaking out? I think it's a reasonable take on it. I mean, <clears throat> I, I think you're always the beneficiary of being an incumbent. So it's, it's yep. completely reasonable for Dan McKee to be considered the we've all we've talked about this a million times he's going to be able to reopen the economy he's got shots in arms all these things right people are going to like that they're going to want a steady hand that strikes you as you know he can make the case that he is the steady hand the challenge for him is he doesn't raise a lot of money and this will be it'll make it easier now that he's the governor but it is no guarantee that he can raise you know, enough money to really deeply compete with the Seth Magaziner of the world who's going to have endless money. Um, I think those two in the middle, Seth uh, Magaziner and Nelly Gorbea, you know, they, we keep talking, maybe one of them should run for lieutenant governor, one of them should run for governor. Uh, You know, if they ran as a ticket, they would be formidable and maybe the favorite. You know, either way, if you were to flip it, flip a coin and just have one pick lieutenant governor and one pick governor, I think they would really become a a true force but together you know it's it's a challenge you know they're they're both uh they're both in jobs that are not high name recognition jobs they're not household names to people um and so they're gonna have to kind of find their own path the other challenge for them is they you know they're 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 liberal they're they're to the left for you know for rhode island and and sort of in the democratic party space but they're very kind of wishy-washy. You know, you, you yeah. won't hear Nellie Gorbea talk, uh, you know, deeply about like voter ID. She, she does not fight about it. She doesn't, you know, make it a, a big concern of hers the way some other progressives might. You don't hear Seth Magaziner, you know, uh, really pushing, I don't know, let's say charter schools or anything like that. So they, they really kind of, we don't know where they stand on lots of things. And that's why I always say there's this opening for Mayor Lorza to be who he is, a yep. far to the left AOC type 
progressive who will just, you know, tell everybody what they want to hear because he believes it. And you wonder if there's just a little bit of, you know, or a large enough size of the electorate that might actually be willing to support that, certainly in a Democratic So, uh, you know, I agree, but I could see a scenario where he blows everybody out of the water and sort of rises up very quickly. And you you have a scenario where it's moderate incumbent governor, steady hand at the wheel versus kind of radical Jorge Alorza, the mayor of Providence, maybe the most liberal governor in the country kind of thing. That that's an interesting storyline. What Dan McGowan, what do you make of the Seth magazine or with this whole school construction plan? Other than obviously the you know unions are chomping at the bit to get these no bid on the the schools. The amount of money that he's trying to throw down for that that is what do you, what, what's your take on that? Well, it, you know, look when you're the treasurer, when you're the secretary of state, you got to do whatever you can to gain attention from yep. the press, and there's nothing that gains more attention from the press than visuals of school construction as somebody who's been there done that uh of that and there's nothing that gets people laborers more excited than jobs right so it it's a it's a very smart move by him the only thing is is what he runs the risk of is hey wasn't that genus thing right right because that that that's what it was and you know it's hard to make that case that you've done so much for this when that was what campaigned on that was her thing uh and so he's gonna have to kind of uh he's gonna have to show that same steady hand that governor mckee is showing but also maybe come up with kind of his own ideas that marsha wrangland tweet how significant is that if you don't mind just giving a little background on that is she how much of a force is she in the city absolutely so the the context of this is uh, i believe it was monday morning maybe tuesday monday yeah yep. uh the rep- representative vassal who uh, you know, years ago, knocked off majority leaders. I'm yep. tweeted something to the effect of, you know, I can't support you for mayor if you support charter schools. And, you know, there was more to it, but it was sand. And I, I caught on to it right away, and I'll tell you why. Mm-hmm. Most endorsements in politics are kind of useless, right? You, if, if I'm running for, you know, city council in Providence and city councilman endorses me unless that person is beloved you know they don't carry two or more than two or three or four votes you know with them it doesn't these things are overrated they tend to be very political inside base the difference is is that there's a couple of factors here she represents part of the north end of providence it's a open space heading into this election you don't have anyone running from there um, it, it, there's a, you know, thousands of votes, let's say four or 5,000 votes over there that um, are kind of up for grabs while other parts of the city are really being kind of taken over. You've got the east side of Providence where Brett Smiley is going to be a major factor. You've got the yep. south side where is going to be a major factor. And she has proven in her, both her first election and then in subsequent ones, she is a force. She's beloved on the doors she's got her team in place that can really you know round up votes and make the case for her and if she were to you know to to offer that let's call it a machine it's maybe a little bit of hyperbole but uh you know offer that machine that team to a candidate for mayor um they would be in a very good position i think her endorsement is anybody any individual in the state of Rhode Island for Providence mayor. We're speaking with Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And Dan, talk about a huge difference uh, between Governor Raimondo's style and then the other night, your former colleague Kim Kalunian sat down, not just Governor McKee sat down, but with the lieutenant governor. How is, what's the, what are you hearing behind the scenes? Like what do other people think of that, that he he's going to reach a point where if she's not with him, people will say, hey, where's, where's the lieutenant governor? He is really going out of his way. It's a different dynamic. Um, what, what is your thought on that? What are you hearing? Well, it's very different, of course. Uh, right? I mean, and this isn't just Gina Raimondo, Dan McKee. I mean, this is going back for a, a pretty long time. Even people love to say that Link Chafee and Elizabeth Roberts had this great relationship. Mm. I mean, how often did they appear together in public? Never. Yeah. Uh, you know, so this is very different. It is 
Um, I think, it, by the way, it's following through on a promise that he made to both Sabina Matos and really anyone who was going to be lieutenant governor. I mean, he is he is walking the walk. He said, I want a partnership. Yeah. Well, he is he is getting a partnership. I do wonder the, the, the potential negative for it is, does it start to become, well, that's a Sabina issue? Yeah. Or, you know, I, 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 we haven't figured out the affordable housing thing. Ask the lieutenant governor, you know, what do you think? And does it become a little bit of that? I mean, remember, at the end of the day, while they can try to run together as a ticket, they are not going to run together as a ticket. Right. Uh, you know, you, we will have to vote separately for governor and lieutenant governor next year. And so, you know, there's this potential that he's going to blow everybody out of the water on the lieutenant governor side and that Sabina Montes is going to walk to election next year. Um, but he's still going to have to, you know, act like the governor, be the governor. He is still the one in charge. You know, the lieutenant, at the end of the day, lieutenant governor does not have very much power at all, if any. And so, um, you know, the buck really does stop with him. And, you know, then he has to start sort of answering questions. You know, she's already involved in the... Folks, we're speaking with uh, Dan McGowan of the Boston Globe. And we're going to take a quick break and a lot more with Dan right here on the John DePietro Show. Mega Logistics, they're there to help you. Give them a call today, 401-431-2300. MEGA Mega Logistics. If you have freight, you need freight, goods, third-party brokerage for your company, warehousing and transportation. How about custom freight, supply chain management, routing, bill auditing, customer developing, proven track record with Fortune 500 companies you can depend on. On MEGA, MEGA Logistics. Call them today, 401 431 2300. 401 431 2300. Does that sound like your company? Maybe you have freight or you need freight goods, third party brokerage, warehousing, transportation, custom freight. They have the experience. Call them today. MEGA Logistics, 401 431 2300. Dan, just finish up the thought on uh, they, they. You're exactly right. He is certainly following through, and it's it's. I, I I don't remember the last time we saw any type of partnership the way we we're seeing right now between Governor McKee and now Lieutenant Governor Matos. Yeah, and I I think as I was saying, I think it raises her profile pretty significantly. That's yep. a good thing. The one thing that I would just say that that I think could start to become a bit of a challenge is. You know, look, she's going to have her own positions on things. They already kind of have a little bit of a disagreement when it comes to Kennedy Plaza. And then she's a Providence person. She wants, she loves the Providence politics. She's already getting involved in her own, the, the race to replace her on the city council. Mm -hmm. And sometimes those things get people, it, it forces the governor one day, you know, forces me to say, hey, who are you supporting somebody in a Providence City Council race? That's not a question he wants to answer. It's not a question, quite honestly, that he should have to answer. But if his partner is doing it, it's totally fair game. And so I think they're going to have to have some talks about how to figure that part of this out. Um, but yeah, it's, it's very different. I mean, you and I talked last week, they had, you know, their, their, their weekly or biweekly conference where you know they're going to sit together and answer questions um it's it's very very different and and dan mcgowan i just want to circle back on two things one what lane does secretary of state just your opinion nelly gobia i i think she's got the hardest challenge in uh in trying to run for governor i think that's fair the one thing i would say is that if she's the only female in the race True. She, she certainly has that um, you know, that part of this, you know, that, that she'll be able to be very helpful. And the other thing that she is banking on, or at least people in her camp are banking on is that, uh, the, you know, the common sense or the, you know, the, the standard political thought is that uh, Jorge Alorza will eventually wash out of this thing and will not be there. And so mm -hmm. that then she could pull the Latino vote. Now I know Jorge Alorza. I've covered yeah. him for a really long time. He, I would be stunned if he doesn't run and run till the end. Yeah. Um, but I think that's kind of what, what her thinking is. And if the, if those things change, if, 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 if she's the only Latina in the race 
and she's the only female in the race, well, sure, you have a very good path there um, to to make a case for yourself. But yes, I, I think you're right. I think right now I would say she, and, and she also struggles to raise money, um, at least compared to a Seth Magaziner. Any thought on uh, David Ortiz got, it was significant that he uh, he was Governor Raimondo's chief of staff, his new job that was announced yesterday. Yeah, he's going to Orsted with a big, what I presume will be a very lucrative job that uh, probably is significantly less stressful than working for Gina Raimondo, which was not a pony ride uh, right. for the last couple of years. So, you know, lands on his feet. I think he's going to have to kind of stay out of Rhode Island politics for a little while, but knowing him and knowing sort of what he is both good at and what he wants to do. I think he probably is perfectly fine. He's had, remember, this is a guy who, you know, ended up working on the campaign for Gina Raimondo, which can be yeah. ugly and, and a lot. And then you go in, you become the chief of staff. I mean, people at home don't always know this. The chief of staff to the governor of Rhode Island, no matter who the governor is, is probably the most important and most stressful job in yep. government. Um, yeah. And so, you know, he did that for t- two years. So, uh, yeah, he lands on his feet. And again, I, I'm sure he's going to uh, to enjoy making that money. And he he had I, he started. I, I don't know where he started, but he worked for Angel Tavares for quite some time. By the way, they worked, were, worked. Yeah, all, that was a that was a rough primary. Yeah, worked all the way up. I mean, he was pretty low on the totem pole when, as I yeah. was getting started in journalism covering it. He was pretty low on the totem pole. And then you know, went to work, played a big, big role in, in uh, helping Jorge Alorza beat Buddy Cianci. Uh, mm. So played a big role there, worked for Alorza for a little while. They did not get along particularly well and, you know, went on. I think he actually ended up working for the treasurer uh, and then went to Gina Raimondo and became, you know, Gina Raimondo does not have a lot of, uh, like, best friend types in Rhode right. Island politics and they were inseparable. I mean, first person they, you know, talked to and the yep. last person to talk for, they went to bed were Gina Raimondo and David Ortiz. I mean, that's how close they got over the years. Mm. Folks, each day I start the day, I get a free email. It's called Roadmap, and it comes from the person you're listening to, Dan McGowan, columnist for the Boston Globe. Dan, how can people listening also obtain an email of Roadmap? Yeah, I've got a few too many typos today, which I'm embarrassed about. Yeah, but, uh, right. it, you do it in the morning. It is what it is. Uh, easiest way to, to get Roadmap is to send me a blank email. And dozens and dozens of people do this every week. Just send a blank email to News at globe.com ri news at globe.com and it comes out every weekday uh right before 8 a.m you get some new reporting from me a little bit of analysis all the stories my columns in the globe uh and then a rundown of what's happening governor mckee's going to electric boat today things like that uh and so takes five minutes to read completely free ri news at globe.com and you'll start getting it first thing tomorrow morning And Dan, I look forward to seeing your column on the census. Great job. Dan McGowan, we'll talk to you again. Talk soon, John. Thanks. For all your tree needs, call the tree trimming experts in Lincoln. It's Yankee Tree Service. Call them today for a free quote, 401-439-6028. Yankee Tree Service, 401-439-6028. Fully insured tree removal company with a licensed arborist yankee tree service they provide various tree services including tree removal pruning land clearing stump grinding and bobcat service check out their website yankeetreeservice.com whether it's for tree removal or stump grinding yankee tree service provides stump grinding so you can enjoy your landscape without the eyesore of old stumps tree pruning you know many times a tree just needs to be pruned instead of completely cut down the licensed arborists with yankee tree service they'll help you decide what's the best treatment plan for your tree emergency service or bucket truck service they'll get up in the bucket call yankee tree service today for a free quote 401-439-6028 or online at yankeetreeservice.com